Canuck Central, presented by your local Grip Auto and Tire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. It is the mailbag. Yes, every Friday you get your questions in for us here on Canuck Central. Sat will send out a Twitter question and prompt you to send in your questions. And we take some of the best answers, some of the best responses, put them together. Producer Josh Elliott Wolf gets your questions on the air, on the show, for us. Can be Canucks, can be sports, can be non-sports, whatever it is you choose here on Mailbag Friday. No air fryer questions today, Sat, though. No, we uh, we exhausted that topic on Wednesday. <laughs> One thing we did get a, a question about on Wednesday, though, uh, wearing sneakers with a suit. Since I'm going to a wedding this weekend, I was I was thinking about rocking this look. But you you can, yeah. It depends on the type of sneakers and and what you're wearing overall. Like it can be like you has to be the the suit pants have to be a bit shorter. Yeah. Um, and you can't go quite as done up. It has to be a little bit more casual as far as and a bit more flair to your top. You you balked at wearing the turtleneck with a suit, so I I would imagine you're not really a sneakers with a suit guy. I probably I probably wouldn't do that. Uh, I think my girlfriend would be like, "What's wrong with you? Don't 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 wear sneakers with your suit." But you gotta like pull it off, and it, you you can do it, but it depends on what you wear it with. Yeah, it's it's got to be the right setting too. Like yeah, I don't know, exactly. I was, I'm I'm going to a, we- a wedding. I would feel weird wearing sneakers at a wedding. I would. Is it a very formal wedding, or is it a bit more like do you have to go like it's like a Catholic church, or is it like a yeah, big yeah. Italian wedding? Is it what? Is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a big Italian wedding. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, Josh, would you? Uh... I I almost <laughs> think it takes more effort to make that work than it does to make like regular dress shoes work. And for that reason, fair point. For that reason, I'm out. Okay, yeah, fair point. Like you, you can go the traditional way, the safe play. Just wear some dress shoes. I feel like Ben Turn. Ben Turn can pull it off. Yeah, I would do it. I would for sure. Wear <laughs> you young guys, unbelievable. But Sad hit the nail on the head there. Where. You have the short, the the pants have to be like maybe cuffed or, or short. Yeah. Maybe your ankles are showing a little bit, and the sneakers have to be clean. Like, yes, very clean. Very clean. <laughs> all right, so that takes my sneakers out of the equation. Uh, all right, uh, mailbag Friday. Your questions for us here. Uh, always get it on podcast. It's uh, we appreciate you. It's uh, one of our most downloaded podcast episodes each and every week. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and. Spotify, subscribe, leave a review. You'll never miss a mailbag or any of our exclusive interviews here on Canuck Central. Josh, what do we have today? Uh, so first from Todd Nasland, percent chance you would give the Canucks of making a trade for the second overall pick based on the 32 thoughts clip we played earlier. Ooh. You want to take this one percentage first, Percentage chance. Yeah. All right. Percentage. I'll go 2%. You know what? Uh, uh, I'll I'll say ten percent, just for the sake of fun. Ooh, you guys and are I, so and, bold. I know, so bold. Ten <laughs> percent. I mean, <laughs> Reg texted in and said, "Of course, you don't see how it aligns, Sat. You don't have you don't have all the facts. <laughs> so clearly, we don't have all the facts. We don't have all the information, as a former Canucks GM would say. Mm-hmm. All right, I feel like we're going to get a lot of uh, these types of questions. What's next? Uh, so yeah, to go along with it, Matt. Uh, how much would the Canucks have to add to JT Miller and the 15th overall pick to get the second overall pick from New Jersey plus prospects and a roster player? 
So is is this the way that it works, Sat? Like it's similar to the Oliver Ekman Larson Connor Garland acquisition last year by the Canucks. Now that was ninth overall, so it's a little bit lower in the draft. Second overall is, you know, if we go back to that pick value chart, is is quite a bit is worth quite a bit more than ninth overall. But is that kind of what you're looking at? You're you're using more pieces to try and you know, make the value more even considering the, the weight of a second overall acquisition? It has to be a bigger trade. You know, like unless you do a one-for-one swap, it has to be a bigger trade. And as soon as you start putting in different moving parts, to me, it becomes more and more unlikely because we're not talking about multiple pieces for the sake of multiple pieces. We're talking about multiple pieces to make enough value for the one. And that's when it gets really big and usually those mm. trades don't ultimately happen. That's why... Trades oftentimes in hockey are super simple. You know, one or two picks or one player or two picks. Something very simple in an acquisition. You don't see the really big ones all that often. And especially when it comes to super value assets. That's where you want premium value more in, in return. And like we kind of mentioned a bit earlier, for the 15th overall pick, you'd have to add the baseline to me is Connor Garland. Is that even enough to make New Jersey move? Maybe not. They may not like it enough for them to move for the second. So that that's the baseline of what you have to offer to make to start a conversation. And at that point, how much more are you willing to put on top of that? You're not trading picks. Nils, you don't have a ton of assets. I mean, you don't have a ton of prospects. Nils? Hoaglander? Oh, interesting. That's interesting. If you don't love him but as a prospect. But that's still a yeah. lot. I mean, you're talking about moving three... And, and Garland's not even that old. You're talking about a guy in the age range you're trying to acquire, a guy who's 25. Yeah. They're talking about acquiring those guys in that range. Plus, you're trading a guy um, who's a bit younger under ELC control. Yeah, you're getting uh, an asset who's an 18-year-old, so you are getting quite a bit younger. But you're moving three, you know, you're moving three assets that are for youth to get one younger asset. What if it's Thatcher Demko? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, hey, you get one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, sure. Under I mean, contract really? and one of the best think, contracts in the league. Do you think Vancouver even listens to an offer on Thatcher Demko? There's Oof. no way. Probably I mean, not. the only guy they talk about with complete reverence on this roster is Demko. Whether it's Boudreaux, whether it's Alvin, whether it's Rutherford, who's the guy they always mention? Thatcher Demko. Yeah. I mean, heck, Rutherford said they won 50% of their games. Because of Demko. Yes. Probably just uh, like, trying to boost his trade value, right? <laughs> and Josh, you like, uh, you know, we, we did the, 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 the trade proposals yesterday uh, for JT Miller on, on the podcast. You can go back and listen to that um, because there was some interesting ones. And obviously, New Jersey came up quite a bit. But one of the things I think about with New Jersey is like, if they just stay patient, if they just find a goalie, like, hey, they've just added another premium asset to their organization with the second overall pick. They've got Luke Hughes coming. They've got so much more coming. Jack Hughes is entering his prime. Heischer's already there. The numbers suggest if they got better goaltending, they would have been a lot closer to the playoffs than they ended up being. So I wonder if patience is ultimately just what New Jersey has to do. But, hey, when you have a uh, pushy owner, who knows? All right, next question. Uh, last on this, Taj, which number will Miller wear for the Devils? <laughs> uh, is, is nine retired in New Jersey? Uh, I don't think so. 
I, Who would have I worn know nine? nobody is wearing it now. Yeah. The Devil's retired numbers are 26, 30, 27, 3, and 4. So yep. nine is available. There you go. Easy. Boom. 26. Who would have worn? Oh, Patrick Eliash. Yes. What's Okay, 30 would be Brodeur. Yeah. What are the other ones, Josh? 27. Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. Four is Scott Stevens. Yeah, and three. Danico. Yes. Yeah. Only because he's an absolute beautician and never played for yes. anybody else. Love Ken Danico. Uh, next question. Andy, does Furland and his probable LTI contract become a trade asset this season similar to the Seabrook, Seabrook contract last year? Yes, it can be. Now, does that mean that's something that it's going to happen? We'll see. But yes, in theory, the Furland contract is a trade asset. There are, like, for instance, especially teams that are going to be capped out next season. Like, even a team like like the Minnesota Wild, for instance, if they can finagle their LTI situation, Furland can actually help them out potentially. If they move out, let, let's say, for instance, that they got Joe back in return for Nico Sturm, and he's going to have to get paid. They're really capped out and crunched out. Is there a scenario where you ship Furland, they ship you a guy like Jost, and the LTI space kind of helps them next season? Maybe something else has to go, a prospect or whatever. That's kind of what I wonder, if you can do something along those lines with Michael Furland's contract. Because I'm not sure the Canucks have an appetite to use him to take on more bad money, per se. Like, hey, he's a makeshift for you to take a contract off somebody's hands. I think it's... um. It would be prudent for the Canucks to at least explore that, but it also is incumbent on them getting rid of some of their cap issues as well because yeah. isn't isn't Furland a bit of an asset for them with the way that they are also capped out? So I think it's, it's one of those things that's contingent on the Canucks being able to uh, move out some of their cap commitments as well. TJ, who are some potential players that the Canucks could sign during the offseason that could improve their depth for next season? Ooh, interesting question. Well, I mean, I know we have mentioned some of the uh, free agent uh, possibilities out there and some of the mm-hmm. RFA possibilities. Like, like, I do believe if a guy like Kasperi Kapanen did not get qualified by Pittsburgh, that might be an interesting player who might look at Vancouver as a, as a situation where he can come in and increase his value, play in the top six and have a big year, for instance, and then who knows where that leads, plus obviously Rutherford and Alvin have familiarity with the player, so I wonder about him if he gets to RFA and maybe you're able to sign him to a, to a decent deal, but outside of that, to me, the value in this year's free agent class, really, Dan comes down to taking some swings in the bargain bin. Yeah, it's 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 really all about that. And and I think you have to wait for some of the RFAs and see what happens mm-hmm. there, you know. You know, I uh, I've already circled Miles Wood as a guy that uh, could become available. I've always liked him yeah. as a player, but coming off of a pretty serious injury, so you're not sure if he's where he used to be. Um you know, I just I always wonder about some of the older guys because you don't really want to be spending two to three million on a guy that's probably going to end up playing bottom six type minutes. You know, like mm-hmm. Matthias Janmark is a guy I've always liked as a as a bottom six player. He's an unrestricted free agent. How much is he going to cost? It's probably like two and a half, three million bucks. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's that's not something I'm really 
it, all that interested in entertaining, even though I like the players, Sat. No, you know, I like those guys too. And sometimes maybe it's a guy who's willing to take a one-year deal to make more money a bit later. And, and you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a guy like Ricard Raquel who's had a lot of injury problems. And I know he had 20 goals this year total and, you know, it was a bit better. But he still missed a lot of time. And that's been one of his, his issues. Would he be willing to take a cheaper deal one year and have a big year, and then who knows where that leads? Uh, Zach Aston Reese is a guy that Pittsburgh was very, you know, obviously was with Pittsburgh, had a down year. He's going to be available. Maybe you can sign him to a cheap deal. He can come in and play for you, be on the PK, be versatile, bring you speed, and, and, and has some different, has a different tool set for you. I can see those types of guys being of interest. Outside of that, you're really talking about. You know, picking up guys who haven't gotten chances elsewhere, and seeing if if eventually a guy like that can uh, can become a player for you. For instance, like I mentioned, Chase Prisky, who's that right-handed defenseman, um, yeah. so who, who has a little bit of potential, has been kind of buried. So those with the Florida system, those are the types of guys I think you should kind of go after and see what what you can find. Uh, Nick Cousins is also uh, somebody I've I've quite liked, but again. You just kind of wonder where where the number is, and even though it won't be too expensive, you know, the Canucks don't have a ton of cap space as it currently stands. So, you know, two million bucks is is almost a third of what cap space they will likely have this off season until they make some moves. The only guy, other guy I'd mention, and we saw him with Florida at times, is uh, Maxim Mammon, uh, the you know the six foot two centerman. He's twenty seven years old now. Played forty games yeah. this year. You know, has size, has a little bit of speed. You know, hasn't had a full time shot yet. Really, those are the types of guys you can take a flyer on. He was great against the Canucks this year too. He was uh, Maxim. He scored that great goal. Um, interesting player. I like the I like the size and I like the the speed combo as well. East Van Philly, what options should the Canucks explore for a backup goalie next season, provided that DiPietro and Martin don't pan out? Anyone else in the pipeline, and are there any veteran free agents they should look at? Oof. Well, uh, we did kind of go over this with uh, yeah. Woodley the other day. The, the veterans aren't exactly enticing this year. No, they're not. And, um, you know, I think you're looking at a guy who is – not a surefire like backup you're you're looking at bringing somebody in to work with martin and fight with martin for the backup position come come training camp but likely a guy that isn't guaranteed to be ahead of martin on on the depth chart you know are we talking a andrew hammond type maybe like a little bit better than that but like, honestly, the, the names really aren't that enticing, especially when you're looking at guys that are projected to make less than a million bucks at. No, and the, the list isn't great. And even in guys like Corey Schneider or whatever, and like we talked to um, Woodley about, he just doesn't see that, see that as being a possibility. I mean, you know, maybe a guy like Dustin Tokarski, but even him, for instance, maybe he's played enough where he gets a full-time backup job elsewhere, but he kind of struggled. But he's a guy that has had some potential in the past. Now, I'm not sure if he's even somebody that um, this organization, Ian Clark, would want to work with. But those are the types of guys that are available. Like the free agent goalie list is not super enticing. But if there is a guy who's of the mold of Spencer Martin, which was who was not on our radar at all and they acquired him last year especially because you know Ian Clark was willing to work with the guy if there's another guy like that that they can identify by all means bring him over and, and it may be a guy that we may never mention leading up to his acquisition 
Yeah, Michael uh, Malcolm Subban is is interesting mm-hmm. as as yeah that type to come in and and compete with Spencer Martin for backup backup starts. Yeah, uh, Trevor, how many new Canucks do you anticipate will be in the lineup come opening day? Ooh, that's a good number. Okay, what 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 would we set the over under at? Four and a half, five and a half. So if you look at the Canucks roster, for instance. Um, we know that Chase Song is probably not coming back. Yeah. Um, outside of that, like how many guys are not returning? It's Chase on. It's Brad Hunt. Patan. Um, it's Yaroslav Halak. Patan. Patan wasn't really. I'm mean, talking about guys that you know actually were like yes, he played, but on the roster as far as you know, roster spots went healthy. Like, it's yep. those three guys really. They're not coming back. So it's three spots as it is. Probably put the over under at four and a half. Yeah. Or five and a half, maybe even. Because probably one of JT and, you know, Besser or Garland or whatever, Bo, is probably not coming back. Probably mm-hmm. making another move, whether that's a guy like Dickinson. So, yeah, I probably put it at five and a half. Yeah. Now, is a guy like Rathbone considered a new face? No, because he, he, he was on the team yeah. at a training camp last year. Okay. I would, uh... Oh, um, you know what? I'd take the over still. Yeah, I mean, you I mean Spencer Martin's going to be on that team? He wasn't really. Yep. I mean, you know, he wasn't. I mean, I guess you can even say Rathbone, but yeah, Martin—that's the backup goalie already. But a lot of spots are already taken for this team too. That's the other thing. When you look at this roster, unless you really start shaking things up, a lot of spots are slotted in. Like unless they don't qualify a guy like Lamico, or they don't bring mm-hmm. back Highmore. Like I think it's more likely they bring. I think they qualify Highmore for sure. Lamico, I would imagine they do too, but you know. That's essentially it. All right, next question. On to the non-Canucks question. Silver and Black Canuck, name your three NFL teams that should make the playoffs this year but won't make the playoffs. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I, uh, okay. I don't know. Are the Dolphins a team that should make the playoffs? I mean, they got Tyree Kill. They got Teron Armstead. And they made a lot of acquisitions. I still don't trust Tua. I say Dolphins miss the playoffs. Okay, all right. Uh, the Dolphins are a team, so that's one. Uh, Bengal, I'm going to say the Bengals. The Bengals miss. Yeah, I think the Bengals miss. Um, well, the, the Super Bowl runner-up uh, tends to uh, tends to be the one that drops off quicker than and everything than aligned for them last year. And they're a good team. Like I love Joe Burrow, but I can see that happening for sure. I think they're a team that will miss. San Fran might miss. I can't see Pittsburgh going back to the playoffs. Would Pittsburgh be a team that's expected to go to the playoffs? I mean, just because of like their record under Tomlin suggests that they're expected to go to the playoffs. We'll see. I mean, if, if, if Deshaun is, if Watson is suspended for a long part of the season, Cleveland may not make the playoffs. That's very much a possibility. If Denver's not going to the playoffs, Denver. Wow. You don't think so? Denver's not going. Okay. All right. So I, I'd say um, I'd say the Bengals, um, the 49ers. Ooh, that's spicy. Yeah, Bengals, 49ers, and Titans. Okay, I like those three. My three for silver and black Canuck would be the Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and uh, and the Arizona Cardinals. Those would be my three.
Nice. Because we had to pick three teams that, you know, you would pencil in as playoff teams that don't make it. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals and Broncos definitely uh, more so penciled in as playoff teams, but with the moves Miami made, I think playoffs have to be the min like the absolute minimum expectation. I'd say out so. of Miami. I mean, they traded everything for Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Dan, you think I'm- that the Miami Dolphins should make the playoffs even playing in the same division as Buffalo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's just wild card teams, right? They're not going to win the division. We'll see. It gets competitive then. Yeah, but then the yeah. wild card goes to all the uh, AFC West teams. Yeah. Well, that's why the Broncos aren't going to make it. True. No, probably not. I mean, I, th- I think the Broncos Chargers, get Chiefs. In. I think the Broncos Raiders are pretty in. good too. Raiders yeah. are pretty good too. Could uh, be a division where three teams make it in. Last listen, all, the, all of a sudden, sad is a, a Russell Wilson stand. I can't believe this. <laughs> hey, listen, you guys wanted him out. I'm not a Seahawks fan. <laughs> Last question, Discount Dracula. Would you guys like to broadcast from a special remote location more often? A special remote location? Yeah. What, what as, do we deem as special? In Toronto and your home. <laughs> Is, uh, is 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 Toronto a special remote location? I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't say. I would say more like events, like people shows usually at the uh, the nooner games for the seas. I think mm-hmm. stuff yeah. along those lines. Yeah, yeah. See, that would be fun. Like the nooner games are fantastic. Mm-hmm. So seas games, I'd be all for it. So, um, I you know I'm I may be traveling through Europe in August. Ooh, like, what if there's a big wow. bit of Canucks news? And I have to like you know fire up the uh, fire up the microphone, get connected at some like coffee shop in Budapest on Wi-Fi, <laughs> and talk about the Canucks trading J.T. Miller in August with you, Sat. It's like that scene from The Big Short, <laughs> where Brad Pitt's character is selling off all his shares, and he's like in Ireland at some remote pub that has no Wi-Fi. He's sitting there, he's like selling five hundred million or whatever. And some guy like turns around, he's like, What are you selling? It's like, you know, like it's like, what are you, a millionaire or whatever? And people start heckling him. You sit down in, in like some nice Italian restaurant, start talking, you know, Canucks yep. or like some nice little coffee shop and just like yep. daggers people throw at you. I'd love to see that. Just uh, ordering it. Yeah, I'll take uh I'll take your uh, your Hungarian goulash uh today, thank you. <laughs> By the way, JT they didn't get enough for JT Miller. This is unbelievable. I can't believe Patrick Alvine would make this trade. <laughs> I'm like, relax, Dan. Just go and drink your Spro and have a cannoli and don't get too mad. Yeah, prob- probably not. Uh, the other one, um, I may have to go to a wedding in Bali next May. Bali next? Wait, wait. Wait, time out, time out. I, I feel like you're throwing a lot at us at the very end. It's, like a, it's a Friday <laughs> news dump coming from Reach at the end of the mailbag segment. So you're saying you, I- ha- you're, you have to go to Europe. You're going to go to Europe in August, and then you have to go to... Bali next year? Like, what's going on? You're Why do you also, have to do all these things? You're also making it sound like a chore. When- yeah, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, pinch me. Yeah, squeeze me. I, I'm just, I'm at that moment where, like, everybody is getting married around us. So, like, I have two weddings in Toronto this weekend. There is a wedding in Budapest later this summer. We are still undecided on whether or not we are going. And uh, there's another wedding in Bali next May. Right. So that would be uh, uh, the reason for going to Bali. <laughs> well, you got a lot of weddings. I've never met somebody who has to go to, to as many weddings <laughs> as you have to go to. 
Ever since Bro. I've known Reach, including his own wedding, he's gone like to like twelve weddings in like four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big Italian families, man. Yeah. Now that would Crazy. be a pretty cool location, though. Like you know, sit on the a hammock somewhere and, and do uh, Canuck Central, like from Bali. the step, from like or, or like the steps of the Coliseum in August. Yeah. To be honest, if I'm if I'm going on that kind of a vacation, I'm probably just you know taking the days off. So, I, I would I would hope so. I mean, your wife yeah. probably wouldn't be too happy. It's like, hey, listen, I can't do sightseeing in Rome today. I gotta go talk Canucks. <laughs> um, yeah, prob- probably wouldn't work out. Just just saying, but it's uh, it's an interesting thought. It's an interesting th- like people are working remote from basically everywhere now. All right, we're, we're way late. So um, yes. Josh is going to be very mad at me pretty soon. <laughs> Stop talking about your random thoughts. Um, okay, Mark Spector is going to join us. Oilers down 2-0 in the series. How do they get it back going in their direction as the series heads to Edmonton? That's next on Canuck Central.